This is the Midwest Academy LeaderCast, a leadership development podcast episode four. And today I'm joined by Shane Kerwin, who's a longtime good friend, recently retired from the Army, also recently got married, and is actively helping people become the best versions of themselves through a series of projects, including his own company called Personal Survival Solutions. Welcome, Shane. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Yeah, like like you said, I, uh, I joined the Army in, in the early 90s, and uh Went initially as, as just a regular infantryman, and uh, then, you know, kind of first out the gate after I got through basic training and my first duty assignment, uh, I went to airborne school. I ended up down at the 82nd, uh, where I always kind of worked in, in small teams, and I got exposed to, uh, you know, sniper stuff and that, and when uh, I did my initial time, I had a break-in service, and I uh, never really left, so... Uh, about 15 months later, I, I went back in, and, and I went back in uh, wanting to eventually go to selection and assessment for special forces. And uh, I, when I when I initially got in uh, the second time, I, I went back to the same scout platoon that I was originally in, the 82nd. And uh, 99, I, I went to selection and assessment, and I was fortunate enough to, to be selected. And then I kind of started on that, that long road. Uh, down to be an 18 Delta or a Special Forces Medical Sergeant. And uh, I, I finished that up and uh, got spit out the other side and was assigned to uh, a Special Forces Group out of Fort Campbell, uh, where uh, about two weeks after I was in uh, my team room, uh, I ended up in 5th Group's in-house sniper program. And uh, it was a six-week program at the time, and I was down there and, and really got inundated with, with the sniper world. And got done with that, came back, and was back down at Fort Bragg to challenge, because you could do it at that time, the, the level one course. And I was successful with that. We came back and, and took some Christmas vacation. And when we returned off our leave, walked into the team room, and they said, pack up all your stuff. You're going to uh, Kuwait, and which ended up eventually we invaded Iraq. And so I got... Uh, three all-expense-paid trips to Iraq, which uh, turned into OIF 1, 2, and 3. And uh, after after we completed that, uh, I was gone a lot, and I just needed a little bit of a break. So I was very fortunate in being, being a medic. Uh, I went down to our that in-house sniper school that we had a fifth group, and I was an instructor there for a long time. I was a just a regular cadre and I moved up through the ranks as senior cadre and uh, for a while I even uh, ran the whole, whole school so uh, really really got my my time in uh, with the long gun stuff and really enjoyed it and thought that's kind of where I was going to end and the Army Ants Infinite Wisdom decided to promote me out of that so uh, I got promoted up to uh, an 18 Zulu which is a Special Forces Operations Sergeant and I went back operational to uh, I ran company operations initially, and then then took my own team and did did several trips downrange in uh, what everybody knows as Chihuahua. And when when I was done with my team sergeant time, I came back and I was like, you know, I just I just want to want to hang it up. Uh, it's time for retirement. I've accomplished everything that I wanted, and uh, so. Not not as many as some of the guys in my former unit, but uh, I ended up with with eight trips uh, overseas, uh, or excuse me, eleven trips overseas, and uh, eight of them in the global war on terror in various places throughout the Middle East. Um, 
I when I retired, I right previous before I retired, I had a lot of other trainers encouraging me uh, because of my medical background and and also I was a, a shooter to establish something uh, where I could teach those skill sets that I that I had learned and the experience that I had. So uh, about six or eight months uh, before I retired, I. Uh, I did my own company, Personal Survival Solutions, and we, we kind of do a little bit of everything. We do uh, medical classes that are geared towards the armed citizen. Um, we do firearms classes. We do preparedness stuff. And uh, my whole premise was is I wanted to be able to give back, uh, you know, some of the experience that I have and make people uh, or give people the ability to protect themselves, protect the people that they care about, and be better members of, of their communities. So, uh, you know, I got out and I, I, I've been doing that. And then I was, I was very fortunate in, uh, January of, um, 2019, uh, to be asked to come down and, and be a part-time instructor instructor at, uh, Royal Range USA in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And, uh, I started out down there and it, Royal Range has, has a great family atmosphere and, and all the people that work there, it's like one big family. And so I started teaching in their academy uh, firearms and, and medical classes and, and home defense and vehicle tactics and defense, things like that. And then uh, last fall, they asked me to come on as full time. So uh, in addition to, to my own company, uh, I'm also the head instructor down at, at Royal Range USA Training Academy. Well, Shane, first of all, thank you for your service. Second of all, when we were down at Royal Range a few months ago, when we saw you down there, the place is absolutely incredible. I tell people about it all the time. I always tell them if you're ever down in Nashville and you're looking for a great training facility, you got to check it out. You know, I think you brought up a really interesting point that you are somewhat of an anomaly in the in the training community, having the depth of medical background and being a shooter. You know, as you are out there training, and at least my experience as a firearms instructor, it seems like the TAC med side is kind of often overlooked. We, you know, people do support hand only drills with the idea that, oh, you know, my strong hand was injured and some shooting support hand, uh, maybe even just doing support hand reloads. But the idea of fixing that injury is almost lost on most people even building you know proactive skill sets like that what's your experience been with uh, students in general not necessarily specifically royal range students but civilian students in general and their awareness of the need for attack med skills well first uh thank you for your service and um you know kind of the the, the medical piece is, is what really got me got me into you know the, the training game as far as, as being a, a you know an instructor uh, you know, outside of the military. Um, I was real fortunate several years ago. I was, I got asked to come out twice to, uh, Tom Given is what used to be called a uh, polite society conference and, uh, is now TechCon. And I gave, uh, both years, I gave a two hour lecture on, on tactical medicine and how, how it, uh, you know, involves the armed citizen. And one of the things that I've seen in, and, and I've always said is people like to come out and train and they like to induce the trauma, but very few people like to go out and train to treat the trauma that they induce or that maybe is induced onto them. Um, one of the things that I've found is if I can get them in the seats 
and they realize that it's part of your protective system, then normally they're kind of hooked on it. And I think with the, uh, you know, kind of saturation of the market between social media, uh, the magazines that are out there, some of uh, some of your, your tactical shows that are that are on some of the outdoor channels, I think the awareness of the need for medical training in addition to all the other things is is becoming more prevalent. But but I still think it's it's kind of lacking and. Um, it's it's always a challenge to get it out there and to to make people understand that yeah you know maybe we're not not running around and shoot moving and communicating uh, but bullets fly both ways or stabbing things go both ways if we find ourselves in an altercation and when we're in that adrenalized state uh, we may be hurt and not even realize it. Or maybe one of the people that are with us that we're charged to protect uh, may, might be hurt, and they don't realize it because you know they're fearful and they're in that adrenalized state. So, um, having the ability to protect people and treat them if if something were to happen, if you know you find yourself in an encounter, is, is a super important thing. And it's I think getting the awareness out there that when we we look at self protection. Uh, there's there's a lot of responsibilities uh, in addition to maybe just purchasing a firearm and taking a class or, or getting your carry permit or something like that. Um, there there's a lot more that goes along with it, and we have to do kind of a individual threat assessment to find out uh, you know what we might be facing uh, that's you know individual to us, you know our our personal lifestyle and, and job and things like that. And then kind of build our system around that. Um, some of the things that I think would be, you know, a basis for everybody across the board, um, you know, and not going too far in the weeds right yet with, you know, mindset and situational awareness. But, uh, you know, those are, are definitely important, uh, making certain moral and ethical decisions of what's what are you willing to do to protect yourself, protect the people that you care about. And then as we build up from there uh the the main classes that you need is if if a firearm fits in uh to your lifestyle and and to your threat assessment and you know is within the legalities uh, of the particular area that you live in um you know definitely go for that but with that then a good good solid med class and it it doesn't have to be something like a you know EMT class or a wilderness med class that, that takes several weeks and months. Uh, you know, I teach a four-hour block of instruction, uh, eight-hour block of instruction, sixteen-hour block of instruction that is revolves around the armed citizen, but uh, the principles and concepts that that we teach there. Uh, they apply to everyday life. I mean, the mechanism of injury doesn't really matter. Uh, the way we treat it is still the same. You know, if we have, uh, for example, an arterial bleed, it doesn't matter what caused it. Our treatment is still going to be the same, i.e. putting putting a tourniquet on. Um, so, you know, I think I think those things are kind of universal, some of, some of those classes. And, and people just have to be aware that, you know, you have to build this protective package when you go down this path of uh, responsibility of protecting yourself and protecting the people you care about. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a holistic skill set. And without that med component, you're basically, you, you know, you have a, a flat spot on your tire, so to speak, when it comes down to, you know, actual application. You know, we're in different states, but both of our states are, are shut down right now, or we have very limited um teaching and training opportunities. How are you handling training and teaching and mentoring during this pandemic? So when when this all kind of kicked off, and because um, you're absolutely right, uh, you know, we're, we're closed down just, just like most of the other states are right now. Um, although we're, we're kind of fortunate here in Tennessee, our governor is uh, going to let the stay-at-home order expire on the 30th. Um, but we, we've been at home now for, uh, oh, it's probably been a month and a half or closer to two months. And uh, when I when I walked out of, out of Royal Range, um, you know, when this all kicked off, myself and, and Bob Allen, the training director, sat down and talked and, and decided to, to cancel all the classes and, and revisit it every couple weeks to see where, um, you know, the country was as a whole, where the state of Tennessee was, and, and where the greater Nashville area was, because um, all of them are, are a little bit different. Uh, so... When, when I was leaving and we were closing down the academy for the unforeseeable future, um, you know, I, it started me thinking I have, you know, all these students, which, which are great, that, that keep coming and, and taking classes. And uh, one of the things that I think is, is really great about the program that we've developed there is we take into consideration people's lives and, and their jobs and that their time is valuable and that you know, they want to come in and train, but the amount of time that they have to dedicate towards training is limited. So uh, the majority of our classes are a four-hour time block, and they're normally, uh, with the exception of some of the specialty classes, in the evenings. And they start at 4 o'clock and they run to 8 o'clock, which most people can plan ahead and, uh, you know, take an hour or two off of work make it there it doesn't break the bank and they get good usable material and we hand uh takeaway materials with them with you know follow-on articles to read uh live fire drills dry fire drills things that are associated with the curriculum that we taught in that particular class and to get them ready for the next class um so they get a lot in that four-hour period but i started thinking uh, you know, we have a lot of students that have been coming in or signed up for classes. What can I do to keep them motivated and keep them on this path of, you know, personal protection, this quest that they're on? So, uh, you know, I came home and I was, I was in my office and I was talking to my wife and kind of pondering it over. And I said, I've got a lot of these, you know, folks's uh, personal cell phone numbers, you know, because they hit me up with questions and, uh, you know, hey, do you got a drill I can do for this? And I'm like, I'm going to start a, uh, you know, a text message chain and, and kind of throw it out there, too, that if somebody's got a better medium that we could do this on uh, so we can invite more people, what, you know, what would that suggestion be? So, you know, my phone let me do 20 people, so I, I picked 20 people, and as you know, you, you're being one of them. And said, hey, I want to do this 30-day isolation challenge. And and for myself, I said, basically, it's just, you know, to, to motivate each other, to, to keep people on track, to help give them focus and routines and, you know, continue to, to work for their, for their own betterment. And so, you know, for myself, I said, 
what I want to do five to six days a week is make sure I get up and do a functional fitness workout, which I sat down and figured out a workout that I was going to do for 30 days. And, uh, you know, with, with minimal breaks, enough for recovery in that, but something that was functional because, you know, with my, my workout routines, which I think you're, you're pretty much like-minded is everything that I do, you know, should enhance my ability to, to shoot better, to, you know, thrust a knife, to throw a punch, to be able to pick somebody up and get them out of a bad situation, uh, to hurl a chair through a window if I have to, you know, extricate myself from somewhere. So that's kind of what I designed the workout around. And then uh, in addition to that, since I have the ability here uh, to, to live fire whenever I want to, because I'm very fortunate that we have live in a rural area and I have property in a home range, but knowing that not, not a lot of people have that, or very few people have that, uh, I wanted to get them doing dry fire routines. And uh, a lot of these folks were students, so they, they have a dry fire routine that I give them or multiple dry fire routines uh, with their takeaways at the end of class. But I wanted to get make sure they were doing it because uh, I, I don't think a lot of people understand the merit and how much work you can put in for dry fire and how well it will help enhance your live fire. Um, to, to quote, uh, I was fortunate I got to do a Modern Samurai Project uh, class with Scott Jedlinski here recently, and uh, he, he said, you know, we make our money in dry fire, we confirm in live fire. And and over this, you know, this quarantine or stay-at-home order that we've had, uh, that's really hit home for me because I, I have been doing dry fire about every day with my, my everyday carry and, and various other things. But um, I was able to go and confirm yesterday uh, at Royal Range when I was in there with some live fire. And and it made a huge difference. And so uh, I put this challenge out to people and, and to kind of also bring people from, from all walks of life uh, and, and various parts of the country together uh, in a like-minded community or, you know, I like to use tribe. I know it's kind of a uh, overused and cliche, but if, if you really go into the history of, of tribes and, and tribal life, um, you know, I think it was really appropriate, you know, uh, and you could put whatever moniker you want on it, you know, family, community, clan, tribe. Um, I just personally like tribe. And uh, so that that kind of morphed from just the, the text messages with the 20 people into uh, one of the one of the folks uh, introduced me to Slack, which is a networking, a business network networking uh, message site. I wasn't familiar with it, but uh, so we got that up and going and, and uh, every other day it seems that I'll run into somebody or think of somebody and send them a quick text or give them a call and, and then, you know, invite them to that. So we're getting getting more people in there and uh, one being my brother-in-law who is interested in this stuff but has never really been exposed to it. So I think uh, you know the the Slack account and and that uh, tribe is, will kind of help him you know understand my world a little bit and and our world and and he can do some learning with it and then then lastly with it it uh, one of the other guys that was on there because we had 
went back and forth with social media and using Facebook. Uh, so we started a private Facebook room, um, uh, uh, Down Zero Tribe, which again, very similar. But, but it's kind of brought all these different people together and it's people, you know, share their workouts and, and, you know, I didn't, it wasn't a challenge of you need to do this particular thing. I threw it out there as, hey, you know, do some sort of functional workout every day or, you know, at least several times a week, you know, because it's it, that's part of, you know, your your protective system that you're developing for, for yourself, uh, you know, and, and your your sustainability and, and longevity and, and various other things. And, you know, do some dry fire. And, you know, if you need help, there's all these people on there, you know, you're on there, I'm on there, there's some other trainers that are on there, uh, you know, ask for help. Put put on there, you know what you're doing, uh, and then it kind of kind of morphed into you know people are showing how they're staying busy. You know we've got recommended books on on mindset and how the brain works, and you know shooting and, and just a variety of topics and and projects at home that, that people are doing. Um, you know you you've seen all the projects that I've been been getting knocked out at the house and. Uh, so, and there's always sidebar com- conversations in all of them, you know, with, hey, I was, I was doing this, but I don't quite get it. You know, can you send me a video on how to do this, this functional exercise? Or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on my dry fire routine. Can you, can you help me with that? Or what do you think, uh, you know, with your medical background about what's going on in the world right now and how, how everyone's reacting in the government? Where do you see it going? And uh, it's you know, it's turned into this sense of sense of community, and I, I think it's it's really helped motivate people. And you know, not not everybody. I think uh, you know some of the folks on there they're they're a little leery of, of saying what they're what they're doing or, or just aren't really sure about it. But but by and large, uh, and I think you can attest to it. It's it's been pretty successful with keeping people motivated. And uh, you know, now for us here in Tennessee. Uh, and we have kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. They're they're hungry to go continue to train. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say, first of all, I had never uh, heard of Slack until you introduced me to it. And, you know, between that and um, the Facebook page, it's been pretty cool to see what other people are doing. Being able to connect with people kind of reminds me of, you know, with with your background and you know my background. We're used to being around teams where, you, you know, your tribe is uh, a group of guys that you see every day, and you're motivating and challenging each other. But, you know, out in the civilian community, you know, your tribe might be, you know, guys you go to classes with at the at the range, or maybe you train in a dojo with them or a gym. You're seeing each other less frequently, and then now with this pandemic, you might even see people even less than you were. So you're, you know, that ability to challenge each other and motivate each other. Uh, it's nice to be able to do that through that virtual, almost real time connection through these, uh, you know, technological. Uh, tools that we have. The other thing that's nice too is that you know I can be on mission and 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 come back and I can catch up with you know what fifteen people did that day, 
and uh, you know, it makes me feel you know connected. I can you know share. I can um, uh, you know uh, see if I, I was in a discussion with somebody else and how that worked out for them. Um, so it's been pretty cool that way. I, I think that's really great. Um, you hit on something about people not really seeing the value of dry fire or totally getting it. And you know, we run that firearms combatives program up here. Yeah. And uh, that program's, you know, it's mostly dry fire. We have some force on force we run a few times a year, and we have some live fire we run a few times a year. But basically, the premise of that program is basically that the, the mechanics of the fight, the technique of the fight, and the tactics is all from the muzzle back. And, you know, dry fire allows you to focus on that. Yesterday, we were on the phone, you and me, and we were talking about um, micro drills. And, you know, I think that's another great aspect of dry fire is I can take some aspect of gunfighting and I can say, okay, well, here I'm going to work on uh, a mag coming out, a mag going in, and I can just get tons of reps of just that part or i can get some specific aspect of footwork or displacement or maneuver that maybe even on a live fire range unless you're you know on an outdoor range is difficult to do but all those things do uh, make a difference in a gunfight and you know it's very dynamic uh environment as you all know so I think that that's great that you you have a, a, a dry fire package that you roll out to people. And, um, you know, I think that this has been a, a really good way for me to see how you teach and, and keep in uh, contact with your students and continue to motivate them and uh, instruct them. You know, there's a lot of people out there, and you kind of hit on it with maybe uh, family members who... Uh, you know, maybe they were somewhat interested in this before, but they didn't have the time. Um, now they have some time and they're, they can be more um, proactive in their pursuit of uh, personal defense. What advice do you have to those kind of people who, uh, you know, maybe uh, are at home and just getting started as to uh, how during this pandemic they can, uh, you know, target some skills to make some incremental improvements um, you know, would you start them off? I know it's somewhat individual, but I mean, would you would you start them off in um, more of a uh, working on their fitness and their attributes that way, um, their proprioception, kinesthetic uh, movements? Would you talk about uh, maybe getting them started on the basics of uh, marksmanship? Um, you know, do you have any idea of what you think if you had to prioritize? Uh, those skills, where would you start somebody? If it was somebody, you know, just, just stepping down the path, you know, family member, uh, you know, male, female, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. And, and I was, after a conversation yesterday, you know, part of my, my normal routine is, you know, I'm a pretty early riser. Uh, you know, I'm normally up at, you know, 5 or 5.30, even though I don't have to be anymore. Um, you know, and I, I get on my social media and, and, and check things there. Cause you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge tech guy, but you know, I do try and try and check in and then I take the dog out for a walk. And then when, when I was out walking with the dog, I was thinking over, you know, our conversation yesterday and, uh, I've been kind of kicking around the idea of, of a few different articles in that, to, to, I don't know how I would put them out there. I probably would put them on my, uh, 
you know, my business page and, and we'd probably kick them out to, to roll range and, and, and then on social media and that. But one of the, one of the topics of the articles that I'd like to write is, uh, you know, building your own personal protection system. And I think that, you know, that article kind of, kind of goes along with, you know, what you're asking. And, uh, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier is that there's a lot of things that are involved you know, when we, when we develop this system for ourselves and, and it starts way before we ever get on the range and start shooting. If, in my opinion, if we do it correctly, um, you know, the first thing being is if we want to take that first step down or we've made that conscious decision that, you know, I want to go down this path. I want to take the responsibility of, you know, protecting myself and protecting the people that I care about, um, is, we need to kind of sit down and in our safe place and uh you know what i describe as is my safe place and and i tie it into uh you know mindset and, and cooper's color codes of awareness and situational awareness is you know when when i'm at home on, on my rural property and the doors are locked up the alarm's on and you know i got got my dogs roaming around and and i'm in my safe place i can i can sit down and and kind of be in that condition white if you will think about things and get into my own bubble and and what i tell people in uh the defensive pistol class the the initial one is uh we need to make some moral and ethical decisions prior to anything else because uh, they're going to kind of kind of drive what we do uh what is your willingness or what will what's the willingness that you have you know you have to have a willingness to do whatever it takes to protect yourself protect the people that you care about now some people are going to have that line in the sand that maybe they don't want to cross uh an, an example being like i could no matter what a kid was doing i could never harm a kid um but we've seen especially here in nashville where the the age of criminals uh, and people doing violent acts is getting younger and younger um you know, you have to make those decisions, what you're willing to do prior to ever, you know, strapping a gun on and, and walking around as an armed citizen. Um, so, so making those determinations prior to, I think is, is a first big step, you know, thinking about these things. But the next one is, is that, uh, that individual threat assessment, because I, what I see with, with folks sometimes is they have this misconception that the 47 Ronin Ronin Ninja assassins are coming uh, to kill them and their family. And that's just really not the case for most people. So uh, we kind of got to do an accurate assessment of our lifestyle and, you know, what do we have for a job? Where, who do we associate? Where do we go? And kind of understand the criminal paradigm, uh, which then helps us, you know, drive where our training goes and the equipment that we buy and, and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, one, once that's done, then the next thing that I think is, is super important is, you know, developing a proper mindset and, uh, you know, call it what you will, you know, it can be warrior mindset or it can be a combative mindset. Um, but just having that, that proper mindset and, and doing the research and understanding the criminal paradigm and how does violence work and, and what is your willingness to, to do violence, to combat violence that, you know, could potentially be happening to, to you or, or a family member or somebody that you care about. Um, and then as we develop that, that mindset, um, 
you know, what goes along with it is, is that situational awareness. And, and going back to kind of our, our individual threat assessment and, and life is, you know, people talk and preach situational awareness, keep your head on a swivel, you know, all, all these various, uh, you know, terms or phrases. Um, but by and large, uh, uh, especially someone, someone new into this realm, uh, I don't think they really know what that is. Um, so, so when I, when I talk situational awareness, I talk about, you know, we have to understand and establish what's a normal baseline for us. And it's going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of creatures of routine, you know, as, as human beings. And, you know, if we look generally people get up roughly about the same time every day, uh, you know, give or take a few minutes here or there, or, you know, maybe sleep in a day. Uh, we generally drive the same way back and forth to work you know we we do the same things um there's something good to be said about routines because if we have a routine then we're establishing that that normalcy by or normalcy baseline uh so when we see an anomaly something that doesn't fit that's abnormal we can key in on it uh as we go different places that are new places we have to quickly establish that that baseline but Understanding that, you know, we're situational awareness is, yes, it's having your head on us, but we're paying attention to things, uh, you know, looking for exits and pieces of cover and that, but, but it's so much more. It's understanding what's, what's normal in your environment and having the ability to see things that are abnormal and key in on them and then escalate or, or drop down in that color code of awareness and you know if we elevate up having appropriate you know plans of action and you know our our pace plan our primary alternate contingency and emergency plans because as you know uh you know the best laid plans uh don't survive the the first round fight so you know i think those are important and those are all things that can be done you know in the home uh with some research there's there's a you know great number of books out there that are written uh that talk about mindset and situational awareness uh ways we can find out uh about criminal patterns in that area is you know getting in touch with local law enforcement uh you know paying attention to social media sites for for law enforcement to kind of see what are the crime trends in our area and and all these things can be done you know prior to us ever ever going and, and purchasing a firearm or uh, you know, going to the range. Now, once we get to that point, uh, you know, I'll use rural range for an example. Uh, and with this, you know, pandemic that's been going on, our new gun owner sales have spiked tremendously. Uh, you know, a lot of people that never even thought about owning a firearm or maybe were repulsed by owning a firearm, uh, when all this kicked off, at least here in, in the greater Nashville area, we saw this huge influx of people that had changed their mind and, and wanted a firearm. Um, that, that's great, but it, there's also some, some drawbacks to that, too. Um, and one of the things that we were very good at and, and the range was very good at in the retail shop was, you know, in addition to this, you, you need to get some sort of training. Some of the ways that we do that for, for new shooters, as we like to call them, uh, is we you know conduct privates, uh, private sessions with, with folks where they can come in uh, you know for an hour we sit down and talk to them and then we build a training package around that individual. 
that that's one way you can do it. And we have different levels of that. Generally, uh, myself and, and Bob Allen, the uh, director of training, uh, we, we do them sometimes, but, but we have some other folks, and that kind of frees us up to do, you know, uh, some of the specialized uh, private sessions that are out there and the other things we do in the academy. You know, firearm safety, handling, uh, the fundamentals of marksmanship, setting themselves up for success to, to continue down this path. Uh, the other thing that we do is we have a uh, new shooter program, which you know brings brings people into the classroom. Uh, you spend it's a it's a three hour class, and you spend about two hour two and a half hours roughly uh, in there learning about firearms, uh, namely pistols, revolvers, uh, but learning about firearms, the, the nomenclature of them, uh, safe handling, the universal safety rules. Um, fundamentals of marksmanship all the things to to build that good foundation and then they wrap it up with taking them on the range and they do about 50 rounds of live fire with uh some individual coaches in there to to coach them through because you know it's a big step for people uh and it can be extremely intimidating uh for some to to walk in and, and be on a firing range for the first time presently we're still running we're not running the new shooter they're kicking back off here in the near future, um, as the academy will be, but uh, we still have been been keeping on with privates and you know uh, with social distancing and things like that. Uh, if if you don't have the ability to do that, um, the the internet is a is a great great source. If you have a firearm, uh, but you know and you're you're new to it and you and you bought it and. Uh, but you haven't had the chance to go out and take a class or, or get any instruction. Uh, you know, YouTube, uh, you know, it, it, all kinds of social media and that, it, it's a great medium to to get instruction, but I will caution people is, you know, it isn't regulated. So uh, you don't really know what you're getting. So uh, my suggestion would be to people is at least try and get you know, in touch with someone you know that, that has maybe a background and instructor yourself or, or me or one of the people or range and, uh, you know, get a, get an idea. Hey, where, where can I maybe go to get some instructional videos? Um, and, and with that, you know, for, for us here, uh, Bob and myself have been doing, uh, doing several instructional videos that have been, uh, hitting, the the med portion of it bob has been hitting the uh the pistol portions and uh, we're just going to continue that and and put out instruction you know good quality instruction in in short palatable snippets uh that people can go and look on there and and continue training or you know continue down that path that they've started on i think that you know we had talked about that yesterday too that idea that as instructors we want to make sure that you know we're not doing things or, or one of the first things we want to do is make sure that our students are training safely. I think we talked about that in the context of social distancing, but I mean, it's just equally applicable to uh, talk about where their starting point is in training for, for people, especially people who are just getting into firearms, starting out with that safe gun handling and all those principles. I think that's uh, very sound advice that you uh, you provided you know, you hit on it, and we've talked about it a bunch of times, but, you know, this idea that personal protection is really, it's not a tool set. It's not a, 
bunch of stuff you buy and then you have it. It's not, you know not even just the skill set. Like you know, okay, I I bought these tools and I go to the range, you know, once a month and I dry fire every week. But it's it's more of like a lifestyle. I, I think we were talking about that yesterday about that professional approach to training, really being focused on the fundamentals, seeing advanced skill as basically the smooth application of fundamentals on demand, maybe in a dynamic environment. But really that, that all, all the stuff that's advanced is really just the basics refined. And, you know, I think that, it, you know, you were talking about uh, giving people an advice on who to seek out training from. And I think, you know, myself, uh, having been in this for several decades and you yourself, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think finding an instructor with that approach and that mindset, you know, will put you on a pretty good path. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, um, you know, there's the, the market is so inundated with trainers, you know, that especially with, you know, uh, GWAT and and people and you know coming from military and law enforcement backgrounds, uh, it just seems like and that was I had a little bit of trepidation when I was initially thinking about starting my business uh, and people encouraged me because I'm like everybody that you know did some time in the military regardless of what they did and their background was or law enforcement is you know hanging out a shingle is I'm a trainer now and. Uh, there, there's a lot of great trainers out there, but there's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of subpar trainers that are out there also. Um, so with that, uh, yeah, finding, finding somebody that has a, has a good reputation, you know, talking to people that have maybe trained with them or, you know, doing your homework and research and, and finding somebody that has a, has a good background and can teach, you know, specifically what you're looking for because you know as as you and i both know i mean what we would teach you know a military team or or a you know leo swat team is vastly different from the armed citizen now there's things that are there's similarities don't get me wrong you know and and like you said and and we were talking yesterday is uh there's really nothing advanced out there it's you know just doing the basics really well and uh with that and having the, being able to perform them to automaticity or at a subconscious level um if we make a mistake uh you know the recovery is faster um but it's really all just doing the basics with maybe advanced application and at the end of the day if you know we're talking about you know firearms and shooting uh, it comes down to sight picture sight alignment trigger press and um but finding an instructor that that would suit you that has good quality material that is you know has the background that you're looking for and you know and with that i'm not saying it, it has to be a guy who you know was has a special forces background or or a swat team background um but those do help because they're those people bring experience uh you know to to the training not just uh parroting what they learned from somebody else which learned it from somebody else but once you do that uh in, you know in my opinion is find an instructor you like find you know do research into the system that they're teaching and it should be a full comprehensive system that really drives home the basics and builds from that one of the things that i say in classes you know 
when we're starting here, I said, we're going to build a solid foundation and we're just going to keep building on that, but it's going to be redundancy with the basics. And as we, you know, continue on down this path, we're going to rely on those basics and we're going to put them in advanced application. And as we get farther down the path and we get to that level of unconscious confidence or, or automaticity, uh, we're going to up the complexity of this because at you know, the end of all this, and if you, you know, walk out as an armed citizen uh, and find yourself an encounter when you leave the class, I want you to be able to critically think because, you know, those situations are very dynamic. The gun handling or, you know, combatives or edge weapon or whatever it is you're using uh, has to be automatic to free up our brain to, to critically think. And when we're practicing those basics and building that foundation, uh, you know, we're, we're building those neural pathways, um, you know, what a lot of people would call muscle memory. But uh, I, don't, I personally don't like to use muscle memory, and, and I know it's uh, some people are like, oh, well, whatever, but um, verbiage is important on certain things. And, you know, we, we build neural pathways and we strengthen them. Uh, as we do correct practice and we do do the basics correctly, uh, that we, we develop this mental mind map and mental Rolodex that when we find ourselves in an incident, we can, we can get in that mental Rolodex and, and pull it up. Something that's similar that I've done in, you know, recent relevant realistic training. And that stuff happens automatically in the brain to critically think and to problem solve, which we need to be able to do. Now, now, all that being said is, you know, once we've determined and we found someone uh, that meets all that criteria, um, you know, stick with them, uh, you know, learn their system. Uh, you know, hopefully, and one of the things that I try and do in classes is, uh, you and I both know there's only so many ways to do something that, that's tactically sound, and they were all invented about 100 years ago. Uh, you know, people forget about them and they get recodified and reinvented and somebody puts their, their moniker on it. Um, but really, it's it's all been around for a while. Um, so I like to show people uh, more than one way, uh, you know, so if, if, say, running the slide on a pistol, you know, some people teach cone over the top, some turn it and pinch it. Uh, if it's an emergency reload, some people will, you know, advocate hitting the slide release. Using that example, I like to teach all three of them because I know if I have a, a class with 10 students, um, everybody in there is different. What works for me might not necessarily work for, for that person that's standing in front of me at the time. Uh, you know, everybody's, you know, body makeup, athleticism, uh, hand strength, uh, dexterity, things like that are, are all different. So if I show you multiple ways of doing something uh, that are tactically viable, we can you can pick what works for you and develop your own protective system. Um, so when you when you find that in an instructor, and, and I would encourage you to, to look for that and ask questions uh, of the person that you want to train with, because let's face it, you know, you have to give up personal time, sacrifice time, and, and it's costly. Uh, regardless, you know, of what it, what the cost is, it's still extra money that's going out, especially, you know, with the, the interesting times we're in now where, where a lot of people, uh, you know, don't have a lot of extra money to get, get our money's worth. Um, but, but ask those questions and then, then stick with the, you know, instructor and, and learn what they're putting out and learn, 
learn your system. Um, you know, when, when you get a little bit farther down the road and, and you're, you have a good foundation uh, in the basics, then, you know, we can go out and jump to other people. But, but so often I see, uh, see folks that they're like, well, I want to go train with this guy here and I want to train with this guy here. And not that they're not good instructors and they're, they're putting out good information, but they, they don't settle on one thing. So there has to be this, you know, when we're training, uh, regardless of what it is, you know, but for a personal protective system, uh, we have to have synergy. Everything has to flow. If we're, you know, if we build this system and it is truly multidisciplinary, everything needs to flow together. Um, if we don't settle on somebody with, with a good system or if, Maybe they do have a good system, but we take one class there and then we jump over to somebody else that is vastly different. Uh, we never get that synergistic effect of, of what we've been training and it never really comes together. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I used to see with before the multidisciplinary stuff got, got really popular was, you know, people would say, hey, I, yeah, I do multidisciplinary. I train martial arts here and I've done a night class with this guy and, you know, I do do some CrossFit, and then, uh, you know, I, I've taken shooting classes here, but they have no idea how to tie it all together. Um, I think the training community has done much better, and it's a it's still a pretty small subculture, but, you know, actually tying it together in, in a multidisciplinary fashion has gotten, gotten much better. Um, so that being said, uh, you know, if, if we find some an instructor that, that fits our criteria and looks like their their particular system uh, fits our needs, uh, stick with them. Learn, you know, build that foundation, learn the basics, you know, continue down that path with them until either you've, you know, extended what you can get from them, which, you know, you prob- probably won't happen if it's a good instructor. Even myself, you know, I'm forever a student and, and I take you know, multiple classes a year just to see what other people are doing and to get little nuggets, you know, for, for my system. But, you know, stick with it for, for you know, quite a while until, until you get that good foundation. So so you have that their system, but you can make it into your own, you know, unique individual system. Right. We were talking about that yesterday, that, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize that there is to learn. So, Shane, you know, I think we'll wrap it up here. We loved having you on, and hopefully you had a good time and you'll consider coming back on again. For anybody who wants to connect with you or get more information on Royal Range or Personal Survival Solutions, how would they go about doing that? Uh, There's a couple ways they could do it. Uh, For my Personal Survival Solutions, they can hit up my website, which is www.personalsurvivalsolutions.com. Uh, or they could send me an email and it's shane.kerwin at personalsurvivalsolutions.com for stuff with World Range or things that I'm doing there at the Academy uh, they can look at www.worldrangeusa.com and I go under the training section or they could send me an email there at skerwin at worldrangeusa.com So we'll put all those in the show notes for anybody who wants to do that. Thanks for being here with us today, and uh, thanks for your service again, and we'll talk to you real soon, Shane. Great. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it.